So here you are. Too foreign for home, too foreign for here, and never enough for both. From Yawa, this is Two Takes on the Pod. Hello and welcome to Two Takes on a Pod. My name is Osai. And my name is Falaren. This is our podcast where we give you two takes on our theme of the moment. Because we kind of like just dove right into it. Yeah. But, uh, it's the man David. Yes, sir. Um, do, do you want me to I, set this up? Yeah, bro. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like, <laughs> this guy put me on the spot. Help him out. Man, I get, like I do podcasts every week. Yeah. God, let me know. Like you drive the bus here, and I'll just. Oh man, I think this is the second time I've done that too. Just like push me right in front of the train. Okay, so uh, I know David through. Uh, my Carlton University experience. So uh, for those who don't know, I went to Carlton University. I studied economics there. I was on campus for a little while. I met David while he was working where? At the student experience office, I think. Probably, yeah. Um, it was super green. You know, if, if you haven't seen him, he's like 6'3". Six, 6'2", six like, bro. Don't, don't boost me. I can get me. Bro, <laughs> come on. I just turned 6'2 recently. <laughs> Yeah, don't set him up for a failure. A couple months ago, I turned 6'2". Uh, okay, sure. well, so you're on the up and up, man. Yeah, he's, he's like, he's been tall and skinny for the entire time. So working at the student experience office, he's got the uniform on. Yeah. Super cute on camera. Um, and then, you know, many years later, he became, you know, president of the student union. Uh, so kind of like worked his way right, right to the top, if you will. Mm-hmm. Now he's living in the city. Yes, sir. So we thought we'll have him on. You know, talk a little bit about, uh, we'll get into the subject matter a little bit, but anything you want to add to my, my little bio there? Yeah, honestly, not too much. Um, I think the rest of the stuff will, will come up naturally as you go through everything. Just been in Toronto for four months now. Uh, it's been a little bit of an experience so far, but honestly, like I, I love the pace of the city. I um, was in Ottawa for a little bit and I started getting a bit comfortable and I feel like that's a really big obstruction to growth is when you get super comfortable. So. Toronto's always been in the back of my mind. I was happy that I was able to make it happen. So the only thing I don't like is it actually feels like Ottawa winter <laughs> in Toronto. No, it doesn't. Bro, the last the last week has been very cold. Honestly, this this year was definitely picked up a lot quicker than I anticipated. Bro. <laughs> but um the snow is not nothing compared to Ottawa. I don't, so I, I don't, just I, just hold on to that. Yeah, like cause I walked through Toronto like this is soft. Bro, it's November. Yeah. But it's, it's just, it's nothing. We're just starting. Sure. When you get to February, I think you realize that like, this is... Nah, man. This It, it snowed a lot, actually. Yeah, it, it, for this year. For this, this year, it's definitely year. early. But no. I mean, I've only had, what, three winters here, but like nothing in Ottawa. True. Like, it doesn't compare. Like, oh, see, man. Dude, you're just getting, you're getting the cold. That's it. Like, you, you it might be cold some days versus others, right? But yeah. Ottawa, that's snow. That yeah. lack of... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it doesn't snow as much here. No. no. Right, so, no. so yeah. far, the snow I'm seeing. Is- <laughs> <laughs> it's no fun. It's just, it's just, it's just, it's just demonstration. It's just, it's just, you know, it's not, it's not real. Okay. We'll see. Yeah. Honestly, you never know every year. <laughs> I, honestly, it's, it's the risk you take. It is kind of bro. You know. Um, you said like you kind of like glossed over it. You said you know I was in Ottawa for a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've been here there since you were like twelve. So. Yeah, yeah, I was actually in Ottawa for 10 years. Yeah, that's your hometown. What? Really? 10 years? 10 years, oh, yeah. I thought it was longer. Oh. No, it was 10 years. But that's, uh, I mean, you're a little bit younger than us. So I guess it kind of makes sense. So 13 to 23 kind of thing? Yeah, yeah. I got there right before I turned 
uh, right before I turned 14. So I got there about a month before I turned 14 uh, in July of 2010. So what's the background on that? You came from the States? Yeah. So born in Nigeria, um, obviously back home, born in Lagos, Victoria Island. I was going to throw out an area code, but Bro, I, was like, <laughs> I was going to throw out an area code, but is it? Yeah, Oregon? just leave it there. Is it two, three, four? When people call me from Nigeria, that's what I see. <laughs> Plus two, three, four. <laughs> so I don't know. Um, so yeah, my dad used to work for Shell. So he was getting bumped around everywhere. So Lagos, PH, Wari, lived there. Total of eight years, then got transferred to New Orleans. So we were there for six months in 2005. Hurricane Katrina happened. Um, got oh, you, you guys were there for that? Yeah, it's crazy, man. We had just bought a house. Oh, wow. Um, literally, like, I think we were supposed to move in, like, either that week or the week after. Mm. Then there was, like, a mandatory evacuation. Like, the mayor of New Orleans comes on TV, like, everyone get out. Mm. Um, obviously, some people stayed, unfortunately. But we left. Um, so we went to, like, Mississippi for a little bit. And then we ended up in Houston. Um, and then my dad's company like just like relocated the family there. So then we were actually in Houston for five years. Um, and then after that, we got a permanent residency in, in Ottawa or in Canada. Sorry. Moved to Ottawa in 2010, did high school, University of Ottawa, and then now came to, to Toronto. Yeah. So, so this is a huge step for you, man. Pardon me? This is a huge step for you. Yeah. New step. But like after a while, you just get accustomed to being in a new place. Mm. You know what I mean? Like. 10 years is the longest I've ever been in a single place. So that's where I was able to forge a lot of relationships. I didn't really have that, especially as a child, when you're getting bounced around from city to city, it's really hard to build solid relationships. So I didn't have that until people I went to high school with. A lot of them are like the longest friendships I've had or the longest relationships besides like my siblings or my, my family. Mm. Um, so I, I'm like very accustomed to like starting in a new place and starting fresh it's different because it's like I'm no longer a student for the first time ever. So you're like actually working and like you actually have to make an effort to see people. Mm. You don't just see people on campus all the time, which I think is one of the biggest adjustments, but very exciting. Like I, I'm loving, like loving living in Toronto. First time I've been away from my parents. So that's a, a new step. But again, very exciting because I, I think I was at the point where I was like, yeah, I need to just break off and do my own thing. Mm. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, we, we all have very like similar stories, right? Mm-hmm. Eight years in Nigeria, five years in Houston, yeah. living in Canada and then Ottawa for, for a long time. Like, yeah. um, I don't know if you know how Osana and I met, but like we, we both lived in Malaysia for a time. Yeah, I left I mentioned young, that. So, yeah, um, we, were, we were talking about it a little bit earlier. Yeah, yeah, we met in Malaysia and that's how we all kind of got to know each other. And after that, we all kind of broke off and went to a bunch of different places as well. And then it's come back. So like you guys are one of the um, longest relationships I, I've had because of that, right? Because we were able to kind of go somewhere else and find our way back to each other in a weird way. Canada, which is like right. you know, one of the reasons why I love Canada. But also, you know, you're talking about... 10 years being the longest you've been in a place. Like, mm-hmm. very similar story for myself. Eight years was the longest I lived in the place, and that was Ottawa. And I remember, like, thinking about it when it hit year eight. I was like, oh, man, like, what what next? Like, now minute. that this is the longest place, am I going to continue to be here? Yeah, or do right. I want to change? Do I want to be in a different space? Do I want to experience something else? Yeah. And that was kind of, like, when I started thinking about moving and getting out of the area, and just, mm-hmm. you know, being in a different city, moving to Toronto, and then, you know, the rest is kind of like history there so true it's one of the reasons why like you know i enjoy our company because i feel like we 
Yeah. Similar, very similar. Yeah. Like, it was crazy what he was selling, um, like kind of breaking everything down. I was just like, wow, we, we chill. Yeah. Like all these, <laughs> all these <laughs> things check. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Being checked. That was part of the equation. Yeah. You know, like, right. We kind of know the lifestyle and yeah. how the trajectory yeah. essentially yeah. runs. So that, that was pretty cool yeah. for sure. Um, okay. So in terms of like, what we, the meat of what we wanted to talk about today, and like why I thought you'd be an interesting, you have an interesting perspective on it is the immigrant story. So, um, you know, I sent you the doc earlier and I put this little poem at the top, but I don't know if you read it, which mm-hmm. is like, like, I'm going to butcher her name, but please forgive me. Ijama Emi Binyu. I mean, you, you want me to try it? Yeah, please. Um, Ijama Umebinyu. Right, that's what it kind of sounds like. I love how you guys took turns butchering it. <laughs> you you want to go for it? No, bro, I'm not. Yeah, mine will be the worst. Ijo maybe you. sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. So the poem is: So here you are, too foreign for home, too foreign for here, never enough for both. Um, and like the first time I read that, it. Man, it resonated so deep because uh, I was 16 when I moved back to Nigeria for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went back and the, the plan was for me to, for Malaysia. So like I, I graduated high school in Malaysia, then I moved back to Port Harcourt where my parents were. And the plan was for me to come to Canada, do a pre-university program and go straight to university. So like a day or two before I'm supposed to travel, my parents are like, yo, sit down, uh, we got to talk. And I'm like, you know, I'm excited. I'm like, you know, yeah. what are we talking about? Like, if we need to go buy stuff, you know, I'm excited because I know, like, mm-hmm. the promised land is to come. Right. Um, and then, like, you know, I remember my parents being like, I'm sorry, you know, we just don't think you're ready yet to to travel and, you know, study alone in Canada. We think, you know, it's best for you to, to go to this school that's, you know, in the city. Um, you be there for a year. And then after that, you know, you get to travel and go. I remember being so heartbroken. Like a school in Nigeria? In, in Nigeria, right? Okay, like, sure. I'd never li- I hadn't lived here for, you know, six plus years. Like, right. I remember being so heartbroken. It's like a dream was taken away, you know, mm-hmm. like coming to school in Canada um, or deferred, I guess, if you will. But then it was also like so sudden. It was like two days before I'm supposed to travel, you know? Yeah. It's not adequate timing to like morning grief. And school is starting the week after. So yeah. Like that. So I got like a week to adjust to this like new reality of life. Um, anyway, just that next four months of going to school in Nigeria, not being from there, if you will. Yeah. Hardest, hardest four months of my life at 16, like having to, 15, I think I was, still a young age, you know, having to adjust to the culture, having to Mm -hmm. adjust to people, not speaking the language, pigeon, broken English, like just being this fresh green eyed kid, like from an entirely different space. And I'm sure you have an exact experience of that, like after you left Malaysia, because you left four years before I did. Right, right. right. And like, when did you come, you you came back like, oh, like, Right for SS3, right? Yeah. yeah. yeah right. So that's, that's like the worst case scenario, right? Because like, <laughs> basically everybody else who's been there has been together since GS1 for the most right. part. In a lot of cases, last, last set you came in was SS1. Like for me, I came in on SS1. So a lot of people I was going to school with had already forged their relationship. So you're like the outsider who's not from the country, who doesn't know anything. And you just jump in there and you're kind of like, okay, mix, get it, figure it out. Yeah. Right. So I can just imagine that what that feels like. Cause SS3, everybody's kind of like matured into this, like, okay, we run this now. Yeah. 
we, we, are, we, are, we are together in you this know, and everything. Exactly how the game runs. <laughs> right, right. And I'm coming in, having to figure out everything from scratch in that short amount of time. Yeah, that's, that has I mean, to have been really hard. I think described it as, you know, the greatest culture shock I've ever experienced. So <laughs> yeah. when I read this and see it's too foreign for home, mm. like, oh, man, like, that's me right there. Um, and then too foreign for here, you know, fast forward 10 years, I'm in Canada. Uh, I consider Canada home now. Like, yeah. I consider Ottawa to, to like a large extent home. I was there for eight years. I mean, we were just there together like four weeks ago. Right. Uh, it was a lot. Um, but, you know, like being in that city just feels comfortable. Right. You know, like I did so much growing up there, but there's certain times where it's like, this isn't home. Like the reason I left Ottawa was because I woke up one day, I was about to go to work and I'm like, why am I here? Like this does not feel like home. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's crazy to have those two like feelings and emotions like, yeah. you know, about the same place, you know? Did you, um, I have a question about that. Like, yeah. did you ever really think or feel like Ottawa could be home? Yeah, like I still feel like that today. Like, I could retire in Ottawa. You okay. Know? Um, but I guess that's the, like, duplicity that we're talking about, right? Right. Because sometimes it's, you know, it, it, it's not you know? right it's, it's weird because i had a f- slightly different experience i want to hear yours um what about you i mean your family uh is your family still based in ottawa, ottawa yeah. yeah so that is definitely home for you so yeah it's more like flying out of the bird's nest per se kind of thing where like leaving yeah. that comfort that area that you know i'm going to explore something that like basically explore yourself essentially yeah, in a way and like yo when i read that poem as well like, it really resonated because um, when you only spend like eight years, it's not enough to connect with the place enough. Like I don't have that many memories of living in Nigeria. Like to be very honest, I have very few memories where I'm like, oh, I remember distinctly that this thing happened in Nigeria. So um, obviously, when I first moved to the states, and people are like, where are you from? With the accent and everything, it's like I'm Nigerian. Um, and then when I moved to Ottawa, it's like, where are you from? It's like, oh, I'm from Houston. Mm-hmm. People are like, oh, you're from Houston. It's like, yeah, I was there for five years, but I was like originally born in Nigeria. I lived there for eight years. And then the host like, where are you from? I'm like, I'm from Ottawa. <laughs> yeah. like, born and raised. And then you're like, no, uh, I'm there for do, do the host feel. Yeah. The whole. So I feel like situationally, like home, the definition of home changes. Mm-hmm. But for me, like when I think about where is home for me, I actually do identify as like being from Ottawa because that's the place where I can actually link a lot of my growth and like my development as a person and a man was like in Ottawa, even though I was only there from when I was 13 till 23. But a lot of like my formative, I think phases really happened in Ottawa. So I say I'm from Ottawa, even though I'm never going to not identify as a Nigerian. Like I'm always like, Oh, I'm Nigerian. If people ask, ask like, where are you actually from? Um, but it, it's really hard to like, I don't know how to like, explaining the best words possible but for me like home is ottawa even though like my actual home is 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 nigerian being nigerian hi guys two takes in a pod segment out for you guys this time around we are curious what cultural norms have you made a choice to kick and why we're getting to that point in our lives where we're making decisions on what to learn and unlearn from our childhood so we're really curious to see what cultural norms or what thing that would seem normal to you that you made a decision to kind of throw away send it to us at two takes at the pod at gmail.com that's t-w-o takes and the pod at gmail.com now back to the show ask about like because you said oh i'm never not identified as nigerian mm-hmm. um can I ask about that a little bit because yeah do you refer to yourself as a nigerian canadian at any time or do you refer to yourself as like nigerian or canadian 
I always say I'm Nigerian. I rarely say I'm Canadian. Um, unless if someone very specifically asks like, oh, are you a Canadian citizen? Like I've never really said I'm Nigerian. I've never said I'm Nigerian Canadian. Um, a lot of the time when it comes up is like you're in an Uber and like, the guy's also an immigrant. And he's like, oh, brother, where are you from? And then you're like, oh, I'm from Ottawa. He's like, but like, where are you from? <laughs> you know what I mean? And then you're like, this guy knows. This guy knows something. Yeah, it's yeah. heard the accent or you can tell yeah. his accent. I'm Nigerian, you know? And then the accent comes out a little bit, but um, I, I've never really just like one off said I'm Canadian. It really has to come up in conversation. And then even more rare for me to be like, I'm Nigerian Canadian. I just say I'm Nigerian. Have you, have you ever been in a situation where you're, you've kind of identify as a Canadian with maybe a bunch of other cultures? Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Where like you start realizing, okay, uh, I'm, I'm kind of more in tune with the Canadian culture in this circumstance <laughs> as opposed to whatever the other culture is, yeah, whether it's even Nigerian. Yeah. It sounds like maybe you're not <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I relate so heavy to that. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's, you know, it's like, you know, different things like, you know, when you go for a, um, maybe like a quote unquote potluck, right? And in, as far as Nigerians are concerned, like if you're doing something or whatever, like, you you should have some food, right? Like you can't just kind of mm. push it to somewhere else. So it's always almost like the expectation on the host to have something mm. where you go to some places, right? So you, you go there and the expectation is that everybody else should have had. And the person, the host basically, well, I, I've agreed to use my place. So I have crackers or something. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. And, and the reason why I'm saying that is because sometimes what that like showed me was dealing with the people, right? Because you just say, oh, this person is Nigerian. But you start realizing that like that's when the maybe more Canadian side comes out where it's like, oh, this is a pop. Like, this is how I see it versus the other side where they've already kind of made food. And then like, well, everything else you're bringing is basically just an add on to whatever we are hosting. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Playing the host, I think. Like yeah. It's, it's the cultural it's difference there. Yeah. Like bring your own booze or something. I think like a really big one. And this is like, I realized like, like you were saying that I aligned a bit more with the, I would say North American viewpoint of things just from both uh, the States and Canada. Right. It's like customer service as a whole. Like in Nigeria, you go somewhere like a restaurant, anywhere, like you tell them what to do and they're, they do it for you. And it's like, there's just that, that authority of you being the customer. So it's like, you tell them what to do and it has to be done that way. And th my dad and I like disagree on this like a little bit. Um, whereas like in, in Canada, there's, there's a bit of a respect both ways where it's like, you can tell people like, oh, like I, I'm the customer, but there's still an understanding of like treating them with a certain level of respect. Mm, or like, right. even like if you go to a restaurant, like if I go to a restaurant with a lot of my friends who might be international students, there's just a way that they will talk to a waiter that I'm like, yo, like, oh, that makes you feel okay? I'm like, Yo, like maybe chill a little bit. Like I understand that mm -hmm. that's their job, but still there has to be like a certain level of understanding where it's like, you can't always like get things that, the way that you want it to done to the T. Um, so I think customer service in general, even like when my dad calls, like picks up the phone, like calls fighter or something about a phone bill that's wrong. It's like <laughs> attack, attack, attack. Like, <laughs> my dad is not taking anything where for me, I'm like still like, Oh, like how's your day going? Yeah, like, yeah just like simple questions like that where he's just like why did I get a bill for $200 like you guys are dumb like what that kind of thing you know so a little bit of that interesting the restaurant example just makes me think about how we interact with different classes like <laughs> in, that's, ex that's exactly what I was thinking about too the, the, the people who work at service are 
most likely in a different class than hundred percent. Right. Whereas here you can be in the same exactly. class and just have a service based job. Mm-hmm. Right. So therefore how you interact with people is like you, you you interact knowing that it's likely that you and this person are in the same class. There has to be a recognition of that. Yeah, you're not, you know, dismissive of their, the fact that they're in this job. Whereas in Nigeria it's like almost entirely entirely different class right 100% 100% it's, it's, it, that, that's exactly what I was thinking too and I was also thinking about the fact that like uh, so I was also going a step further and thinking where uh, do we see that here and we do see that here and it's also a class thing mm-hmm. like so all those people who are basically born rich or born of a same class like you know maybe a millionaire or so haven't had to really do a service type of job yeah. they uh, they talk the same way mm-hmm. right like it, the kind of authority and the exactly. expectation is the same same mm-hmm, it's just sure. that in nigeria the service class is really a service class like yeah. nobody who's going to those places to order the service typically we'll w- w- would have worked that kind of job yeah. or they've worked that kind of job and now they're coming to show that they've they're, they're somebody right interesting um okay so you feel like you identify as nigerian mm-hmm. and it would never really be a thing for you to like come out and say i'm canadian unless comes up specifically in the conversation. Yeah. I have like a, I, I can't wait to be Canadian, right? From a just documents perspective. Oh yeah, yeah. that, okay. But I don't know, like. <laughs> Retract, retracting, retracting. <laughs> Let me retract real quick. To answer just, that just question. Just put a disclaimer. <laughs> more accurately, when I'm in the airport, I'm Canadian from the jump. You identify. I just bring out the blue passport. I don't touch the green one because I saw the struggles my parents went through when we traveled as Nigerians. Oh, so you so you never really went through those struggles? No, well, like I was just okay, but so just okay. They had to do the interviews for us, type of thing, yeah. right? But yo, like especially, I don't know what Nigeria has to do, but yo, let's make the passport look cleaner. Like the passport just looks a certain way. Mm. But well, this, this, this thing is attached to it, but I think that's it's, it's fascinating because like you know us who go through while being in Canada, the immigration struggle, right? They're having right. to apply for visas, they're like figuring out the permanent res- mm-hmm. residency struggle, all that stuff. There's a certain like, at least for me, and with the like, people that I've talked to, there's certain like, oh my God, I can't wait to get my hands in that It's nice. Oh, 100%. Which is like one, that's one thing. And like, I nice. think people can fairly like agree that that's a reasonable aspiration. Yeah. Know? Given the struggles that we have. Culturally speaking though, like, you know, once I become a Canadian citizen, how do you, Dropping entirely my Nigerian identity, be like, yo, I'm Canadian. No, I'm mm-hmm. just Afolabu. I'm yeah. Like, I can't walk away from the fact that I'm Nigerian. Right. Remember, right. But like this dual identity thing, right? I toss Nigerian Canadian at you, and you're like, I've never really identified as that. And like, there's not a lot of people I know who like that's what that's a thing that they call themselves. Like, it's not mm-hmm. like African American. You just not yeah. But when I think about identity, and I think about like my cultural influences, right? Like, I go to Nigeria, and there's just some things that don't work for me. There are lots of things that do. Like, I think Nigerians are the funniest people in the world. Like, I would never not want to be Nigerian just because of how hilarious we are. It's yeah. Like it's just, I, it's I, just I, I understand I never our mannerisms. Yeah, yeah, our, our character. Yeah, I that for anything else. But, mm-hmm. like, we also have some um, my minor cultural defects, if you will. <laughs> like, yeah. that, like I, things I would like to distance myself from. So, somebody like yourself who was raised here, mm-hmm. where, like, you didn't have that immigrant sort of struggle that I described earlier, right? Yeah. I'm wondering, what's the best lesson you've taken from having Nigerian parents in a Canadian society? Like, yeah. the best thing, like, you think, like, oh, I want to hold on to that versus, like, things that 
Yeah, I would actually say that lesson would have come when I was living in the States because moving to the States, like we were fresh immigrants. So I didn't have that experience when I came to Canada because I'd already gone through it in America. But it's it's quite similar. Um, I I actually remember like quite vividly when we first moved um, to New Orleans, I went to a private school. So you can imagine like it's a lot of like rich Caucasian Southern. Yeah. Oh, man. And I was eight years old. So coming there, fresh accent, didn't know how else to speak. Had some trouble following when people were speaking to me because they talk so fast and so differently. Um, so, and like the first thing was like doing like conversions. Uh, in America, what do they use? Is it, we use- oh, metric system or whatever. Yeah, yeah. whatever we use. Oh, the inches and ounces. And yeah, um, whatever yeah. we use here is different when they use there. So right. they use like miles and feet. Um, and they were just learning about like kilometers and like meters and that kind of stuff. And I was doing conversions like very quickly and people were surprised like, this kid from Nigeria, like, first of all, like surprised that I spoke English and second of all, surprised that I could do math. mental math. Yeah. Um, and then I remember something had happened and I was like, Oh, that thing is like really stupid or something. And this girl, like in the most condescending way that an eight year old could ever do, it was like, David, don't say the word stupid. That is a bad, like slow down. You know, like when you're talking to someone who doesn't understand English, <laughs> like in that way. And I was just like, Yo, why is this girl talking to me like that? Like, I know exactly what you're saying. Um, I, I've spoken English since I was born. Um, went back home and I remember my mom because she was going through a struggle with my siblings who were three years younger than me. She'd have been going into grade one and they got put into pre-kindergarten, not kindergarten. So like two years back. And my mom was like, my children are smart enough to be in, in grade one. And there was this whole thing. Um, they were treating her like she was like this crazy woman. Um, and then they had to go through this entire like testing system mm-hmm. where it was like an intensive thing for a week where my siblings would just like sit in a room and take all these like tests and like literacy tests and like all that kind of stuff. And then eventually like got placed in grade one. My mom was like, I don't want you guys to speak with an accent. So like when we, even like when we were home, she was like, speak like all the children in school, because if you continue to speak the way that you do, no one's ever going to think that you're intelligent enough to They'll use it against the same you. level as them. Um, so that was one of the biggest things I learned from my mother was, um, never thinking that I wasn't good enough to do the same thing that people who were born here were. So I've never been the type of person to like, even though I do understand that there's a lot of like, um, discrimination that exists in terms of people of color or people from a different background in terms of the things that we're able to achieve. I've never been satisfied with using that as an excuse for a reason that I didn't get something. Um, I've always been the type of person that like, if I didn't get a certain opportunity or I feel that something was like, yo, I just wasn't good enough and I have to get better. Um, because my reasoning is that if I'm always thinking like that, even if let's say I don't get something because of a bias, like for me, I'm like, kid, this is going to be fuel for me to continue to improve. Yeah. And that's why, like when I got to Carlton, there were, when there was something, I was like, yo, I really want this opportunity. I'm going for it regardless. Okay. Right. Yeah. And that was just because. Um, my mom like really instilled that in us like when we were young like come home don't speak with an accent um, the words that they use at school use them as well she's like teach us like the way they speak at school whatever <laughs> so that because I could see like if, even when we go to, to a mall and my mom is asking for help or like where's something the way that people exaggerate the fact that she had an accent I'm like yo you for sure know what she's asking about yeah, like, right. like maybe it takes you a couple times but like they just do it in a way to like make you feel poorly about yourself or like you're not from here or whatever it might be and my mom really didn't like that at all so she was like yo speak like this if you do everything exactly like they do 
Like, there's no reason why you guys shouldn't get what you want. A solution like that and that's really interesting because like immediately what she does is she strips away the victim mentality right? mm-hmm. she strips away any reason you or your siblings might feel or might have to feel that you're less than because she's giving you permission in your home yeah. which often like your home is where you feel like you have the most rules for us right like mm-hmm. we have the most restrictions where our parents and rightly so try to hold on to when they've moved us out of home yeah our cultural um, our cultural differences, right? They try to hold on to the things that, like, they feel still make you a Yoruba boy kind of thing, right. right? But it sounds like what your mom was doing was, like, recognizing the environment you were in, giving you guys permission to adapt, right? Like, giving you guys permission to go, you know what? Like, we're not going to use that as a reason. Mm-hmm. So come here. This is a space where you can practice, where you can evolve, yeah. you can become, like, you are today that's like that's really cool like yeah man I, yeah like th- looking back on there's some things that like I, I wish i could speak pigeon like i wish mm-hmm. that i sometimes understood it but like things like that like we're not allowed in my house like oh. it would come my mom so like, she she kind of like went on on the other side where it's like okay yeah i'm naturalized because i want you to have all the opportunities that are available to you because it's almost like she saw that like they would use that as a way to deny you opportunities and yeah. that was her number one fear yeah like her, her mindset was like why would we pack up everything like She's like, me and your dad could have lived in Nigeria forever. Like, that's where we were for 30 years before we came over. We would have been fine. Um, but she was like, we want you guys to get the best. So why would we pack up everything and, and move to this foreign place for you to come to my house and speak broken English? Like, speak proper English like you speak in school. And that was, like, her mindset. So things like slang and all that kind of stuff. Like, nah, not in her house. <laughs> still today? Like, yeah. is that still- I mean, now, now, like, we're, we're older. And yeah. obviously, me and my brother, when we, we talk to each other, it's like mm-hmm. we're talking like Toronto mans and whatever. But And, like, sometimes we'll teach so, her okay, so it's not a few words. English, it wasn't a lot. Like, slang, everything. Well, yeah, like, like living okay. in the South, right? There's, like, there's a certain drawl and, and whatever. Like, the way other people spoke as well. And she would see that we're picking it up. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like the, that the Louisiana American, accent, exactly. you can't get away from so it. So yeah. when we came home, she's like, why are you, why are you speaking like that? Speak properly. Okay. Like, okay. So and it then, wasn't just like a Nigerian thing. It, like, was like it, like, it was on two fronts. It was on two fronts. Yeah. Nigerian culture, no. But it's more like, no, no, no. You, we want you to be the best of the best. Yeah, exactly. No and like, draws, no carry yourself. Okay. Exactly. And um, a, a lot of the like ways that, going back to that poem, mm-hmm. that's when like, we were getting this like label of like, oh, you guys are very whitewashed or like mm-hmm. you guys aren't black. And, and that's where it's like you don't fit in either place. Um, so that was re- a really frustrating time as well. Like growing up where people were just like, oh, like you're such you're such a you're the whitest black guy I know. And like, is it because I carry myself a certain way or I, I speak clearly mm-hmm. or you can understand what I'm saying or I don't act a certain way, which again is like some of these microaggressions that exist in our society. And that's like a whole nother topic that I'm not going to get into. Um, but, and sometimes like you, maybe you're a little bit frustrated. You want to fit in, but I'm ultimately thankful that my mom had that mindset, um, and was like really, really like, um, constantly drilling that down because it just put me in a better position to be able to like do whatever I want in terms of like all of the aspirations that I have. So yeah, it was, uh, certainly like, that was like the immigrant lesson I guess I learned, um, was just like one, like not really making the excuse or the, the victim mentality even though it's a reality for a lot of people, I obviously don't want to downplay that, but for us, it was like, yo, put yourself in the proper position. So, conversely, unless you like, want to ask a question. Yeah, no, I just think it's funny how, like, with immigrants, we 
we don't accept that. We don't accept that victim mentality. It's almost like you get here, you come, you fight, 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 mm-hmm. and fight for what you want. There's no, but like we see that along the way, but it doesn't really you don't have register. a factor, yeah. right? I don't. Some some some, don't. some buy in, right? Um, and like you know, I think you kind of have to guard yourself against that, right? Mm-hmm. Like you, you get, but you're you're right. Like uh, one of the things I love about immigrant communities right. is the fact that a lot of them don't buy into this, right. like immigrant thing, right? Especially like in the last four or five years, where you've seen a more accepting liberal culture, where people are like, oh, we have been oppressors, and therefore they want to remind you that you've been oppressed, right? right. It's that kind of force. Growing yeah. from the left, if you will. Right. And I, I think a big part of that, too, is just because I think the voice hasn't been there, right? Like, if you're an immigrant coming in, you just got in. You're not trying to cause a stink about all the rights you're not getting. Like, you don't even know if this is the way the government make, allows this to work, right? You're just learning about this new culture that you're sitting in, mm-hmm. and there's nothing you can... I'm not say there's nothing you can do, but it's, it's almost like who else exactly is going to listen? Because as far as the citizens are concerned, they might be like, you're taking away from us, you know, whether or not that's the case. So I think that's always an interesting like challenge where you're coming in and there are also challenges that we're going through, but there isn't really an environment for us to kind of have that conversation. It's like the, you get what you work for kind of mentality. Right. It's like when you come in, figure it out. And that's like when you see your parents move to a, a new country and, their degrees were something back home and then they come over and it's worthless. It's like, they obviously just have to grind to get anything else. And then that's what you see growing up and that's what you just naturally do. Accept it, change your mentality, grind, move on. That's cool. Okay, so conversely, Mm -hmm. what is the most useless thing? Like the one thing that like your parents keep talking about and you're just like, this is not useful. I suspect I know what this one is. (laughs) (laughs) Yo. There's a lot, honestly. There is so much. There's a lot. Um, there is so much. I think one of the biggest things that actually frustrated me and still frustrates me is this notion that um, older always means like you're right. Bro. And not being willing to accept the fact that, yo, someone can be younger than you and just spitting facts. And they're just, <laughs> they're just doing this certain thing better or their answers are just... More they just know what they're talking about. Um, and I remember like, like I don't know how you guys' experience was like growing up, but um, I don't know, like in Nigeria, I never really made eye contact with people who were older than me. It's like you kind of look at the ground, like you look away. Um, and then when I moved, that was actually a really huge adjustment was like, teachers would be like, yo, when you're talking to people, like look them in the eyes, um, which is like almost the opposite of like what I learned growing up was like, if you look someone in the eyes, it's kind of defiant. Um, but also like also growing up in the church community, you hear a lot of things that you're just like, I actually don't agree with that. Um, oh. but, <laughs> but because you're younger than people, you just can't say anything. Cause then they'll be like, you're a disrespectful boy. Like who's your father? You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Right. Or you're disrespectful for just asking a question. Not, right? not asking a question all the time. But like, sometimes if you're just like, that's actually wrong. Right. You're just like, I just don't agree with that. Mm-hmm. It, it comes across as like, you're being a rebel where it's like, it might be something that's black and white, not even an opinion. It's like, this person like, is just wrong. <laughs> and it's a, like, it's a, it's a whole thing yeah. for you to say that. It's that's an insult. Awesome. Yeah, almost, right? It's so troublesome. Yeah. yeah. Because it like, it stifles young minds, you know? 100%. Right? I mean, if you have a timid person who is, you know, smart and like is expressing an opinion and a point, 
and like you refuse to acknowledge that you don't address it because you're older and like what does that do to that person that reinforces the oh whatever you're saying isn't accurate Mindset doesn't matter child right right, right. doesn't matter right? And if that child isn't strong enough to overcome that they live a lifetime of having to you know learn that lesson and sometimes yeah. you know in their 20s they're able to break away from that but sometimes they're not i mean like what you just said about seniority you know last year like i really had to like acknowledge and address that with my younger brother mm-hmm. who like you know had festering emotions or feelings about the way he was treated by you know us when we were much younger yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was that diplomatic did i do okay <laughs> past crimes coming back to haunt oh, you this guy um, and like you know he would be having like lengthy conversations with my dad and then my dad would like you know turn around and snitch to us and be like yo this is how your brother's feeling kind of thing and so like we kind of had to have the conversation about like you know i'm sorry we made you feel like you're always like dumb because mm-hmm. he's like incredibly smart like, right. you know he's an engineer like he he has a band like he's a keyboard like well-rounded kid but like i guess you know from ages zero to 15 <laughs> he didn't really feel the opportunity <laughs> <laughs> because he had these two older brothers that were like essentially tyrants at home right um, because that's just what the culture is you know and like i do have like my memories of like, you know, playing PlayStation, I was like, bro, you can't touch the pad right now. You know what I mean? Like, little things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's definitely, like, a very useless aspect of the culture, especially to me. Yeah. Um, it's one of those things that you just got to jump to the side. How do you guys feel about, um, like, the way we greet old, older people? How do, we, how do I feel about it? Yeah. <clears throat> I, I think it's beautiful. But I think yeah, it's beautiful in context. Right? Like, when I'm in... Nigeria, right? I understand the, like where I am. Yeah. So if I'm, you know, if my uncle walks in the room, I'm Dabala, like right away. Like it's not even, there's no question, yeah. you know, because that's the cultural context I'm in. And I really think that like that's important to kind of preserve there mm-hmm. because that is where it's from. All right. Um, where I have trouble with like all of the, intricate aspects of where we greet, of how we greet, you know, the kneeling, the touching, all that stuff. Where I have trouble is like how it like how it converts to when we're here. You know, like if my dad comes to visit, like obviously it's our family, so we have our own language of greeting, right? But like when there are other Yoruba people in the space mm-hmm. and we've had this conversation with my parents that like, they have the expectation like, that that is going to continue. Yeah, you have to honor me in this space. Yeah. Right? You know, and like this is even when like for example like my you know, my cousin in got married and she lives in the south right so we were in Dallas you know and that's a huge Yoruba guy in Dallas so yeah. like, in my mind like I'm shaking hands and I'm like you know but Bound to them they want food the ballet yeah. is what would be appropriate in that space oh wow right? because, really yeah that's, oh, that's the ideal because like uh, like they want that everywhere all the time constantly and like we've had to have the conversation that like you're, like this is that's how I personally oh, okay. that's how I think like Wow. We're not in Lagos. We're not in the States. Like, we're in Toronto. Mm. And, 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 like, yeah. I will acknowledge that we're from the same cultural thing. Like, the bows and the shakings are so there, but like, to do that three push-ups. Yeah. Like, yeah, the push-ups are crazy, man. Yeah, yeah. I've always, always thought that, wow, like, whenever I see, you know, like, somebody double it properly. Yeah. And I'm just like... That's... Yeah. It's a big deal, man. Yeah, the reason I ask is just like, mm-hmm. I was in a situation last summer. I just played ball with some of my guys. Go to a re- Nigerian restaurant like around the corner in Ottawa. 
and a family friend had walked in, um, like really good friends of my dad. Um, and I didn't have my glasses on and without my glasses, I can't see. So eventually like he comes up to me, I see him, I greet him, like, oh, good afternoon, sir, blah, blah. He asked me how I am, whatever. Dude like hits up my dad and was like, yo, I saw David in this restaurant and he was like completely disrespectful. Like they didn't greet me properly, blah, blah, blah. Right. Like, I mean, I don't know how you could expect, you know what I mean? Like, mm. like obviously like I still was like respectful and like yeah. the sirs and everything. But in my head, I'm like, there's no way that you're expecting me to like, like fully like mm. portrait on the ground, like in the middle of this restaurant. You know, it's a, I like, think it's a power and control thing. It's a hundred percent. Look, okay. I, I want to tread carefully here because I'm not Yoruba, <laughs> right? So in Bini, yeah, yeah, in Bini, like we, we don't necessarily do that unless, you know, unless like it's an Oba or a Noge. Noge is one of the chiefs of the Oba, like this round table, essentially. So there's a certain greeting that you give them. But typically, depending on your family, your lineage, and whether you're a boy or, or girl, there's a way you greet. Right. Right. In Bini, that's how it is. So there's a term for boys to say, good morning. There's a term for women to say good morning or thank you after a meal and things like that. Do you but, uh, know any of these terms? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, if, if let's say you, you're seeing a, a, an older person, you say domo, right? I'm not even sure what's the, I think for women too, it's domo, right? So you bow down and you say domo and then, and then basically they kind of say a and then they, and they beat you back. Right, and then there's another one where you say uh, "wese." No, "wese" is every, the same for everybody. But if let's say you're done eating and you're saying "thankful for food," you have to say "laviese." But for certain families, you're saying "laviese." So some some families is "laviese." Some um, some families confused. It, it, it's crazy, <laughs> but but it's crazy because you don't know and you don't care. It's only your family, like the way your your family's lineage works. Mm-hmm. That's what you're you've learned anyway. So based on the way you greet, you can tell what somebody's line is from that kind of thing that's that's how the connection is made yeah, it's really yeah yeah, yeah. so it's, yeah but it's, there's no um there's no there's no push-ups <laughs> <laughs> making sure you stay <laughs> okay another segment we want to hear your feedback on when you first realized you were black okay i know that sounds stupid let me let me give you some context there okay when did you realize you were actually being treated for uh, being treated differently for being black Right. So, was it positive? Was it negative? Um, it'd be interesting if they're positive stories, eh? <laughs> but uh, yeah, positive, negative stories, anything, um, something interesting that kind of just totally caught you off guard. Yep. Send it to two takes on a pod at gmail.com or you can send it to us on our social media. That's two takes on a pod on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Peace. Balance is delicate, right? Because you know, our parents work really hard to get us to here, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and by here, I mean like Canada, right? Get us to a, a place where, like, you know, we can have the best, as you put it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for some of them, they may not have truly weighed up what they were given up in terms of like who their kids are going to become, right? Like, you are not your dad in terms of like how your dad was raised right? yeah. like you said like you you are a co- like you're a combination of eight years in Nige, five years in houston ten years in all like facts 
that is not going to raise a Yoruba boy that is dabbling and prostrating everywhere. That's not going to raise someone who's, you know, I mean, that comes with some sacrifices. Mm-hmm. Right? You're, you're getting your kid this and sacrificing that. And I guess some of them didn't really think about like how much of the culture and tradition they were putting on that block to be sacrificed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, my, my dad had this conversation with us, you know, like, I feel like some of the traditional things you guys are losing. And, Always you get know, that conversation. If you're not listening the right way, mm-hmm. you might be hearing, oh, my parents are not really satisfied with like how I greet them. Mm-hmm. But for me, like, I mean, it took a while. It took like a couple of months of me like really thinking about that conversation. Like all I was hearing was just fear. Mm-hmm. Like he's just afraid that his kids are not going to be like him. <laughs> you yeah, know? Right. Or are not, uh, they are losing what he holds as important like in himself you get what I mean yeah so I mean I've gotten to a happy medium of like honoring them like how I feel like they want to be honored so like you know they don't feel that fear but also realizing that like I am not going to be that kind of Yoruba guy like there's I mean you've lost the chance for me to be that I mean but how can I really incorporate that in like myself today and moving forward yeah it's it's big on my mind now right 100% I think I think a big part of that is just having that dialogue right because sometimes they say these things just like we don't even know what we're missing like you can see this beautiful picture of what it used to be and maybe what you thought it would be for us but do we have that picture too like do we can we see that because hey like I'm down to you know do some things and make sure the culture lives on right but I mean there's not everything else I'm going to be picking up right so like Let's kind of start figuring that out right now versus, oh, you're not doing this. Like, oh, cool, I'm not doing this, but why am I doing it? Why is it important, right? And then, like in Benin, they, they, they do a little bit of a good job that, of that, where everybody wants to tell you a story of how this should be, right? <laughs> but in the process of telling you the story, you start to understand why this greeting is this way, right? right? Like, why is, this, why is she greeting this way and I'm greeting, she's greeting it, mommy, she's greeting it wrong. Oh, no, 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 that's how they do it because of this and this is how like we do it because of that but this is still your brother this is still your sister this is your cousin and this is how we all kind of got together right like you encourage that and then that puts like a stake in it for us to pass down versus just it's just here here (laughs) pass this down to your kid i don't know what it is you don't know what it is but pass it down to your kid like that's that's not how it's gonna work and like if we're talking about um i just kind of want to connect to the story you were talking about Mm -hmm. the most useless traditional or cultural practice from like you know being a Nigerian and raised in this society I think is that kind of behavior which I, I tied to power and control where it's like you've met the man at this the thing you've interacted with him and he hasn't said to your face hey like you know I, I'm disappointed with the way you greeted me you know this is how we do it in our culture he hasn't done any of that he's gone and like messaged your dad and said I, I saw David at the store David didn't greet me or he's disrespectful. What is that? That's not about upholding cultural practices. That's not about making sure that David has instilled in him yeah. how we greet in Yoruba land. That's not that. No, that's about like, yo, you need to be able to tell this guy that like, I feel like your son is disrespectful. That's like power. That's control. That's like, like trying to get you to behave in a way that suits them. It's less about, because if you're upholding the values, mm-hmm. in my mind, you will behave in a way that ensures that the values are respected the next time. Because that's what's key. If your intentions are here. Why is this important? Right? Like, why is this important? feeling like I'm... And it's also to just continue to hold that power over, like, the individual, like myself in that situation. 
I'm a 23 year old person. So like at that point, it's like you can have a man to man conversation where you're like, why are you acting like if truly I was being disrespectful? Right. Why are you acting like this? You know, you were raised better. Mm-hmm. But then to go back and tell your father who then tells you, it's like you're still a boy. Yeah. Like you don't understand. Like, right. I'm going to go talk to somebody to, to talk yeah. to him. Because like you, you're not on that level where I can just tell you that. Mm-hmm. Right. You know what I mean? And to me, too, it's also disingenuous. Right. Like it's just completely disingenuous because one, like you said, you can use that as a moment. Now, I was thinking something too, if you came and made that a thing there, like that might also be a tricky situation where like, I might have to be rude to you now. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Like now that you're telling me to come and do push-ups for you in front of like, like just the way you're coming at me, it's not, it's not going to work out. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, but yeah, like I think that's an opportunity where you know this guy has come to greet you. You know he doesn't mean any disrespect even if you're taking it that way. So how do you educate him and let him know this is why you should approach it this way in this setting. You understand what I'm saying? Like, y- you can do that. You have the knowledge in you, but you, you want to go complain to his father because of what? Is he yeah. going to give you a cookie? Like, Facts. what is what is the solution there? <laughs> yeah, to top off the story, though, he did pay for my food, so it, was, it wasn't all bad. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't all bad. I love it. it wasn't all bad. Oh, that's awesome. awesome. <laughs> he must have been hurt. <laughs> Actually, this is probably why Tip on everything. (laughs) 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 Oh my gosh. Okay, so I wanna I wanna kinda like uh tie this together with with an identity question. So I think about this identity thing a lot. Maybe it's because of the life stage I'm getting to. And you have a few more years to get to like this stage, right? Where you're like, because I'm thinking, okay, my kids. What are my kids going to identify as, right? I may, um, I may get married to a Nigerian woman, right? We'll see how. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm looking for something this, to sip in my cup. This guy <laughs> was evaluating all the pros and cons. I may. Oh, God. I. <laughs> Most likely won't. I probably will not. <laughs> Yo, the look in your eyes is crazy. Yeah, I, I, I think I think we'll take care of that post production. <laughs> oh, no. oh, this guy was making lists. Waiting up, just like, how, what is how that? Yeah, no, but like, okay, so um, you know, a Nigerian living in Canada, if I get married to a Nigerian woman, that solves the kind of like cultural identity issue. To a certain extent, okay, mm. we're going to both pass on the same kind of thing. Right, right, right. right. Um, if not, then I have to start actively thinking about, okay, what are the things that I want to hold on to yeah. and make sure they're like... Are implemented, exactly. yeah. And what are the things that I'm going to have to sacrifice on? Because there's going to be another person who has their own views on identity and their own views on culture, like mm-hmm. what they would like to infuse in all of this, right? Yeah. So um, I guess like, you know, for you guys... Uh, David, I'm here, young, so I don't know. Uh, are you thinking about stuff like that? Like, cause are you, or let me let me ask it in this way: Are you getting to more secure footing about you, so that you know what you want to project and present in terms of like your identity? Yeah, I think that's a super loaded question. Um, You're welcome. <laughs> but certainly something that I've I've given some thought to. Um, I don't like I've kind of accepted the fact that there aren't a lot of concrete things in in terms of my identity that that come from being a nigerian you know what i mean like i don't speak 
Yoruba. I understand it fully, but I don't speak it to a point where then my children can understand it. You know what I mean? I, I only understand it when other people are speaking it, when my parents are speaking to each other, but I can't speak it fluently. So obviously that's like one thing that I'm, I won't be able to pass along. Just, I'm just going to interject here quickly. Do you feel a responsibility to go out and learn it and learn how to speak it? Because like, that's something that you want to hold on to. No. Ooh. Yeah, I don't, I don't feel responsible or I don't feel bad that I don't speak Yoruba. Um, just because like I was taken out of that, like I was taken out of it so early. Mm-hmm. Whereas like the only time I heard Yoruba was either when my parents were speaking at home. And my parents usually speak English. Like I would say like 90% of the time they're speaking English, 10% of the time they're speaking Yoruba. Or if someone else was speaking it at church, which is right. like, if you look at the course of a week, that's very, very minimal. Right. Um, so would I love to learn the language? Of course. Do I see myself putting in the time to learn it? Probably not. Um, and that's just like me being honest with myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot of things, I think, in the way that I think and I'm wired that come from that Nigerian culture that I'm going to pass along like mm-hmm. to, to further generations, um, even though it might not be like very concrete. Like, for instance, I've thought about this. When I have children, I'm not going to make them like dobale or prostrate for me, but I'm going to make sure that they greet people with respect. Mm-hmm. And... Um, like when I address my parents, I say sir and ma'am every time. That's just like how we were raised. And that might not be a Nigerian thing specifically, but I think like being able to address people with respect is like very important in how you speak. So that's something I'm going to pass along. Whereas like some more of the cultural, like very specific cultural things, because like in a way, like my parents didn't really expect, you know, they didn't expect us to speak or about, they didn't expect us to do some things. But overall, they still raise us a certain way. That's more what I'm going to pass along. And that's like more part of my identity as a Nigerian. Um, and then I'm still in the point in my life where like, I haven't been back home since 2009, which is like 10 years. That's a long time. Yeah, 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 yeah you definitely I'm do. I'm trying to block off very concrete time where I can go back and be immersed like in Nigeria, Honestly, where I can like take things in. I really want to follow up this conversation after you go. Like I'm going to make it a thing. Yeah. Um, because like, are you done? Like, do you want to, do you want to keep going or? Yeah, I think like, I was going to say actually, like, I think that might change my, my viewpoint on a lot of things because now I've been so far removed from a lot of things that I can't speak knowledgeably enough on like how I would, you know what I mean? So I think going back and, and really like taking some time right now, I don't have too much family in Nigeria that I can actually go back and visit. So it would be more just like, yo, I'm going to throw myself into this place and hopefully come back. But like, you know, <laughs> yeah. Let's make sure you come back. <laughs> right, but but hundred percent, yeah. Go with friends or somebody that's gonna be around there, so that yeah. we kind of like. No, I mean, I think that helps, right? If you don't have like enough of the family and everything right. back home, that definitely helps. But yeah, I I, I for one, um, my language, uh, yeah, I, I don't speak it as well, and that's definitely something I wish I I I could speak. I don't feel guilty though, because mm-hmm. that's my parents' fault. Right, like you, 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 you can't control it, right? I, I, so, just to go back and pick up a little bit from this whole identity thing, right? This identity you're passing on to your kids—it's not always um, intentional, 
right? It's not intentional. It's how much you your parents soaked up from their for, from their upbringing that they're pouring into you. And that's essentially what we're going to be doing for our kids. So the more we're able to soak up that culture, whether it is as kids or now, just through whatever content that comes in, that's something that we can pass down. That's something you can start giving advice to your kids on. Like, well, this is why we read this way. This is why they do this. This is why they do that, right? Um, and then going back to what you were talking about with uh, uh, the last thing you said just now was something about that's what he just said? Yeah. Like if I go back? Yes. Yes. So going back. Yeah. So going back, you're going to soak up all of that. Mm-hmm. You, you, you see it because it's happening, it's occurring so naturally mm-hmm. that you now start, you start remembering where, where that might have felt a little bit more natural to you. And that removal from it kind of makes you think about it. That's how I feel every time I go back to Benin. Cause all the little kids are speaking Benin. The older kids are speaking Benin. Everybody's speaking Benin. Mm-hmm. And you, you just feel a little bit separate there because you can't just jump in on the conversation. Or they can just use that conversation to have a conversation about you yeah. while you're there, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. So that already will make you feel like other within your own, yeah. uh, you know, your own community, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so that that's what I would say. I think that will really change your your outlook. I think that's actually like a subconscious fear that I have with going back home. It's like the feeling of like being othered, cause like too far from home. Yeah, because like it. that's it. I've just been gone for so. Even when I went back in 2009, taken, we'd only been gone for four years. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, I felt so bad that I was, cause we were really excited to go. I remember my, me and my siblings had this countdown, a 30 day countdown. We would like cross off every day that I was getting closer to us going back to Nigeria. We were going back for two weeks for a family reunion. And after eight days, I remember being like, yo, I really want to go back to Houston. Then just being like, yo, like I'm already like different. Like I, I'm already tired of like where I'm from type of thing, you know? And like, as a child, that was like a lot to like think about. At that time, 13, 2009, I was, yeah, I was 13. Yeah. You see, it's very different at that age. Like, I think for me, just to kind of tie into the question that we're asking, like, I too had been in Canada for a while before I went back. I think between 2010 and 2017, I hadn't come back. So, seven years. And, like, you know, this is added to the fact that I spent already a lot of time outside of Nigeria. Right? I, didn't, I did not know it was that long. Yeah, it was really? that long. Yeah, it was seven so, years? Yeah, it was seven sure. years before I went back after I left, after being there for a year. Right. So going back in 2017 was like, was a lot. Um, it was a lot of, you know, going back as, as a man, if you will. 2017, I was what, 25, like 26? Like You were there for a while too, right? Yeah, I was there for like a month. So, you know, that's a decent amount of time to do different things. So going back and like, you know, having my own perspective on the world, you know, having my own career, I was already like, you know, I've been working for three, four years, haven't done all the things that I've done. Kind of like I went back with like my own worldview and my own way of interpreting culture and tradition and things that we did. And I still find like you just said earlier, yourself naturally being pulled to certain things, right? You will find that because that's home. And you can't get away from the fact that like your name is Alain Like mm-hmm. You can't ever do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so you find yourself like naturally moving in certain directions. On the other side, though, you find yourself, you know, you, you move away from certain things. You're like, oh, no, like, I really disagree with that, you know? Treatment of women, for example, mm-hmm. or the treatment of, like, different class systems, you know? For example, like, it's ingrained in your system to um, have respect regardless in terms of your interactions. And it's never, over like, overt. It's always, like, mm-hmm. the way you speak with people who are servers, like, it's never overt, right? So it's, yeah. like, 
but like that kind of stuff sticks out to you instantly. Mm-hmm. So when you go back, like now, you know, you've been president of a student union, so you've had a position of power, which is another big thing like culturally where we're speaking, right? So you've had a position of power, so you've known how you talk to people who, even though they work for you, you still have to have right. respect for them. So when you, next time you go back to Nigeria, you know, you're going to be interacting with people who work in places who are your age and they'll tell you stories about like, what work is like mm-hmm. <laughs> and you'll be like okay yeah. I think I'm a little bit more Canadian <laughs> you know what I mean yeah. right. it's the little things like that or like you go and you have some food and you'd be like mm, I think I might want to move back <laughs> I'm, I'm sure I'm going to miss this when yeah, I go back it's literally yeah. how it hits I like right. how it hits for me like time with my cousins like I can never thank my cousins enough just like for spending time you know because like the time with them makes me feel times 500 more Nigeria. I was gonna I was you know just I, mean? like, I was just gonna ask that about him like if, when you said you went back were you able to connect with your cousins oh so- bro it was it was amazing mm. it was like um, all of us in my grandmother's house in like a tiny room um, with my mom and one of my aunts just pounding out meals mm. just like the best food ever but yeah like um, I've always been able to have that connection with my cousins and to be honest like our our um, trajectories have been very the same like my my cousins went to CIC for a bit but then they also okay. are going to school here so like even though they're international students like they've also lived overseas like in Europe right. so we've all like experienced the same things right um the one difference is like they go back quite regularly uh, um, so they get that really so they really yeah and because the, their parents are still back home but going back like it, it wasn't even an issue of connecting it was just like, man, here, like, things are just, like, very easy. Um, you don't have a situation where, like, you lose water or electricity for a long time. Um, and, like, just the just the, the flow of everything. Um, and a big thing here is also just, like, personal space and, like, being able to detach for a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, if I'm having a tough day or, like, I'm just not feeling up to it, like, you can just take a step back and have your own time. But there it was, like family everywhere you're just greeting people go all the time. go go everyone wants to do something so i think a mixture of that also like i was just like mad fatigued um had a conversation with my siblings like i feel this way they're like yo like we feel the same the same type of way um so like that was like something that i had to kind of come to understanding with um but now it's like every year that goes by I'm like man think about like everything i have to do to like when i'm back there to get myself back into like the fact that I'm home and I've been away for so long, the country is changing every day. I hear stories of people who go back. Like my sister went back recently for a wedding. Older. Um, older sister, yeah, I went back recently for a wedding and like some of the horror stories that she had um, where it's like, man, I really don't want to like go through that, but also like, yo, that's part of like what my country is, you know? Right. I just like even growing up back home, like I think there's another thing like, I lived in a shell, like gated community. So So I wasn't like seeing things like all the time. Um, Even though like, I never went to boarding school either. So like never had that experience. So I really do feel like very othered. You know what I mean? Like, and then going back and like being just ingrained. I'm not going to go back to live in like a gated community. I'm going to go maybe like find one of my aunts and stay with her, but I want to see everything. But it's just like, I know that it's going to be a lot to take on like mentally. Right. So, yeah. I have to figure out the best way to do it. Yeah, I, I think it's worth it. Man. Yeah, yeah. Like it's, it, I never shy away from telling people that it's work, right? Going back home is work for people like us. I mean, people mm-hmm. who are more frequent is different. I feel like it's like you have to really have to plan. Yeah. Right, where you want to spend your time. You know how you want to plan with 
how you want to balance family and like all the other things that you want to do because you want to experience the country mm-hmm. versus experiencing just your family. I'm right? visiting everybody. Yeah, because it's just like you end up doing two weeks of just visiting every uncle and auntie and cousin versus like actually just experiencing what, you know, Lagos, Nigeria is like. Right. Um, I had to be very intentional about those trips and I went back twice in like less than a 12 month span after I hadn't been back in seven years. So it ended up being like, a lot. Yeah. I, I'm mm-hmm. going to take a break from Nigeria for this mm-hmm. little bit. And yeah. then I'm going to go in a while. When was the last time you were back? Um, yeah, so for me, it was about six years ago now where I went back for like like about three weeks. And for me, it was, it was very intentional. I, I was kind of like trying to figure out how to get it into co-op or something along those lines. So yeah. I really went there to go work. So I didn't really okay. spend the time as much time as I could have really taken in the city. I went, you know, saw like a couple of old friends I hadn't seen in years, which was great. Went back home, saw my grandmother before she eventually like passed away. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so I got, I got a little bit out of that trip, but I didn't really get to experience it as, as much, but I definitely could already feel the Separation then, you know, so that that was definitely a concern, concern for me. I'm curious though, like I, I kind of cut you off earlier, Florian. Um, so you said you were, you were thankful for your cousins. Were they like a big part of why you were able to like reacclimatize faster? Oh, for sure. Like my one cousin is like, he's like me, right? Well, I guess I'm like him because he's older. Um, right. When when um, when I was younger, he was like an example just in terms of like how to behave. But like he's the guy you go to. It doesn't matter what you need. Like, either he has it or he knows the person to ask to get it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, like, especially with going back in 2017, it was like, okay, yeah, boy, like, these are the seven things I want to do. And boy, it's like, all right, cool. You know, like, he's figured it out. So, thankful in that way, in terms of like actually being my guide and my mm-hmm. tour throughout the city. All right. Um, or throughout the country. Like, it's the city, even when I was actually, he lives in Lagos, we live in Posadas. Over in Posadas, he was like, my go-to person yeah, right. in that way like super thankful but also just culturally speaking right just interacting with, with him yeah, yeah. It's like, they, they, they know where you're lacking yeah. and they can fill they, in those gaps and they've also spent time outside of Nigeria right? right four or five years but then they went back so they've got like you know he's four years older but and out of his 30 something years he spent like five outside so he's got more recent period in Lagos you right. know? so like he's a Lagos boy. So, yeah. You know, you know what I mean? So thankful in that way because like, interacting with him, like you learn things that are appropriate to do or say, like, you know. What to, I, what yeah, to look yeah, out for. I'm perceptive. So like just mm. contact. You know what I mean? Even like with being here, messaging them and like being in touch with them, even though I'm bad with it, but like as frequently as I do, I'm like, okay, you know, it feels like I can go back and still feel like I am among you. Right, and still. Yeah, so that's what I meant by the way. Right, that's the reason I was asking because, you know, even for me, I'm, I'm hoping to go back next year, early next year, actually. And, like, that's kind of what I've been thinking. How do I reacclimatize myself you know when I'm back and how do I really make the most of that right mm. so it's really going to be just that a couple of friends who are back most of them are in Lagos but you know maybe other parts of the city it's just going to be family and like that's that's really what I'm looking to do right and I'm hoping like that really helps one reconnect and build our relationship as well as because just not seeing each other for years is also a very different experience as well right right so just picking up on that and also using that like as a way to learn about like what what's going on now Right, I'm like, how are things evolving and things like that? So, yeah, that's that's the reason why I was asking because, yeah, it was pretty useful. 
Hey guys, we're just taking a little bit of a break from the show. As you know, Two Takes and a Pod is brought to you by Yawa Magazine. Uh, Yawa Magazine publishes three pieces a month on music, culture, and community. If you love uh, pieces like that, if you like reading on things like that, please do follow us on Yawa Magazine on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can also visit our website at www.yawamag.com. And if you'd be interested in writing for Yawa Mag, please do reach out to us. You can find us at yawamagazine at gmail.com. Thank you. Now back to the show. Like I love, like I love Nigeria. Like I love the country so much. But the best thing is like when you're just with other Nigerians, and there's just like that connection that happens, mm-hmm. and then you could just you could just hang out with them forever. Like. And, and I feel like you're never more Nigerian than when you're just like with other Nigerian people, <laughs> either, either in a public place or in a, it just doesn't matter. Can I make bro. a caveat to that? Like there's certain Nigerians, um, and I hope I don't get in the line for this, that who like, and I guess it's, it's, it might just come down to a class thing who just want to be different. Right. Or, or like their demeanor is just like, I'm Nigerian, but maybe I'm just not like Nigerian, Nigerian, whatever that means to them. Mm. You know, and I when I move, I try to be very like particular about not, you know, obviously the things about the culture I don't accept and I don't integrate into like my life, right? But I never try to like step away from the fact that like I am Nigerian. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, so like, there's nothing better to me than being with Nigerians who, even if like yourself, right? You're not the most Nigerian dude, but like one of the first things you said to me was like, I identify as Nigerian. Mm. I don't identify as Canadian. Like, until it's brought up, you know yeah. what I mean? They're Nigerian Nigerians who would have left when they were 17, 18, have been in Canada for 10 years. Who wouldn't make that statement you just made, right? Mm. That's the kind of people that like, I'm like, it's not really the same when you're with it. Who like, you know, you say something in Pigeon and then they re- respond in English and then you do it again and then they respond in English and you're like, oh, cool. Like, I don't speak Pigeon, like, uh-huh. regularly, but like, mm. You know, I was tortured enough when I was 15. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know what right. I mean? That right. I, yeah. I, like, I do a lot, you know, and like, they're, they're sort of like, my Potago friends who are here, like, I speak Pigeon with them all the time, right? Because that's just our thing. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I'm very, I like to be very comfortable in that space. And I just find that some Nigerians don't. That's always a very interesting, like. Mm. So like they make that intention, they intentionally do not speak pigeon. So if even if you're they're in an environment where everybody's speaking pigeon, they just they keep it that way. About the language, mm-hmm. it's more about the demeanor, uh, the demeanor. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's less about the like. It's less. It's very hard so it's to like, put it. So on it you know, it's, it kind of sounds like they basically look down on what would be her, our culture, considered our culture. I, I honestly like I tie it to a much larger thing. Like you know, he he dropped the microaggression. You know bomb earlier it's like i tie it to like a general like anti-blackness like anti just like that mindset yeah because when, when you come in here like in, in into this society a lot of things try to remind you about where you're from you know? yeah like, you, people either i mean you can't talk about it with the way your like your mom or about your, you guys but it was less like oh we don't like this about ourselves it's just it was a more neg- like it was an ad- you guys to be excellent yeah it was an adaptation not yeah, they exactly. didn't they didn't they didn't soak up that belief because because yes. there's an automatic negative tie to like i don't know if you guys feel this but like i feel like most people in the western society um when they hear nigeria they're just thinking scam artists um you know poverty in the country or whatever it is so yeah it's it's more of just like they my mom knew that that's what people will tie it to mm-hmm. when you're Nigerian. So if you give them 
all pot if you just excellence excellence excellent intelligence they don't have anything can to you use. imagine someone trying to call you a scam artist when you're getting all a's mm-hmm. and you're leading the class it's yeah. not possible you know so yeah i think that's the, that the thing is like it's so funny that reminds me of something that happened maybe two weeks ago and like completely forgot about it so you just mentioned um i was at a work meeting uh and it was like maybe 10 11 of us and it was like it was they served us lunch so we had the first part of the meeting and then it was lunch. So like food is up. And like when there's food, I start singing because that's just what I do. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm just like, oh, it's pizza. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. And so I start singing um, a Wale song, Wale and Usher. The matrimony. If there's a question, mm-hmm. I'm just vibing. Yeah. And so one of our colleagues is like, oh, what song are you singing? Um, and like, you know me, I'm, start, I'm telling you the story about the song. So this yeah. is guy, his name is Wale, mm-hmm. and he features this other guy, his name is Usher. Um, and Wale actually is Nigerian. We share the same name, Wale Falaren. My name is Falaren, as you know. Yeah. Um, so like, I'm giving her the full thing, yeah. just happy, grabbing my slices of pizza. Um, and she goes, oh, um, you're Nigerian? I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm Nigerian. She's like, did you grow up? I'm like, no, I didn't. And so I start giving her a little bit of the backstory, and I'm like, um, yes, yeah, starts. you know? Um, and then like I say, like I said earlier, you know, one of the biggest cultural shocks that I experienced was moving back to Nigeria. And she goes, how? Um, and like, that's a very normal question. I get the how. Yeah. And like before I'm about to say, she goes, like, how bad? Like with the hygiene? Damn. And like, I stop. I'm like, yo, all of the wind from my sails just, pfft. I'm like, why do you go straight to hygiene? Like, there's like, so like, there's right. so many things That's that could have shocked true. me. The heat, like, right? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Right. Um, it just shows what you think about. Right? Yeah, and immediately I just went, I don't need this today, and yeah. I was just like, okay, well, I'm here for work, so I'm gonna put a pause on the like being myself. Yeah, and I'm just gonna be like, yeah, it was just a culture shock, and I just went to eating my pizza, and, like just started talking to other people because I was like, I like I really didn't want to address that today, and I like, just put it at the back of my mind. Yeah, and then you just said. You know, the Go first on. thing people think about is like, yeah. I, like what hygiene and the first thing I thought of was one of those like mm. ads that you see mm-hmm. um, but yeah it's crazy yeah bro that's yeah I'm I'm like that like like I, I referenced Uber conversations earlier mm-hmm. um, when there's just like sometimes you just don't, you're not down to chat bro. and it's like where are you from you just say Ottawa and that's it bro because <laughs> you know like no once yeah. you say Nigeria um, there's always just like oh wow it's like really bad there right now isn't it there's this going on and you just like you see you know mm-hmm. what i mean like i'm not down to, to have that conversation today. sometimes sometimes i have the time i mean we're in the uber fuck it yeah. let me pause my music or yeah. my podcast yeah. <laughs> i'm gonna ask you questions that make you feel stupid yeah you're gonna say oh oh hygiene um why 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 would you think uh i would have a issue with hygiene in, in nigeria oh well you know because it's um yeah, I'm not. <laughs> just I mean, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's just what you. Where did you? Where did you hear that? I, I just. I don't. I don't recall. I've been there many times, and I just. It you just has no. <laughs> I'm good. I mean, I think I feel, I feel pretty. I, yeah, I feel pretty clean. Like uh, you, <laughs> you know, just to put that in your head, so that yeah. next time you're asking that question, you 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 take a second to think about it. You know, I mean, that's when I have the energy, yeah. <laughs> right? But but most of the time, it's just like you know, I'm not gonna teach you today, like. Yeah. I'm I'm sorry, you know, pay me maybe. Yeah, that's actually crazy. Yeah, it was. It was. It was so disrespectful. Bro, 
It's the cost of doing business, man. This is why we're here. It's cost of doing business. Oh, man. Yeah, man. It's why we're here. Jeez. Yeah. It's one of those things. Just going to set the high um, I mean, do we want to end this on a higher note? Does anybody have, like, a more positive, like, Canadian, Nigerian? Uh, I mean, I think that, you know, just that us trying to figure out that identity, I think, helps us be better people, actually. Mm. I actually think that, like, mm. it gives you a level of empathy that I don't think... When you've been in the same place your whole life, you never get exposed to what other people like. Oh, why do these guys always wear this thing on their head? Or why do they do this? Why do they do that? Right? Those people have a context and a historical context that would they would be ins- as insulted as this question you're asking as you are asking about them taking away your guns. <laughs> you know, it's a it's a cultural thing. It's much more than you know. So so basically, for me, just being seeped into a bunch of different cultures, mm-hmm. seeing how they prioritize certain things and they do other things like not everybody's doing it perfectly right like i think we've all figured this out right right? but at the end of the day like i think that's what i walk away with you know it's easier for me to have these conversations about why people are different or why people who are are different to you or to me or to whoever are can be going through the same the same thing and that's in the back of my mind in a way i don't know if it is always just from the way people have conversations these days Yeah. yeah that's cool i like that um allowing you to form or giving you just a different perspective on character mm-hmm. right like i mean i work in the service space you know and i deal with families and you know i think about it from the context of my job right like just having this triple identity if you will or dual identity if you will, allows me to connect more in my mind with families who are dealing with the same thing right who are just moving mm-hmm. and having to navigate the like fitting in because like dealing with your finances is something that no one will talk to you about unless like you know they understand really what you're so that like it's a real avenue for, for that so mm-hmm. with that. true um, yeah i think my last thing was just the story sorry doesn't know the story yet but it's hilarious story i was telling oh my god yeah. telling Flo. um so like my, my parents are are pastors like in redeem so Mm-hmm. Um, obviously like me moving to a new city, like one of the things on their list is like, yo, you got to find a church to go to. Um, so I go on like RCCG, like parish finder or whatever. My, my dad has a friend who's a pastor in a church in North York. I live Leslieville. So like East end. Mm-hmm. So this church is like very North, like an hour and like 40 minutes to get there on TTC. So I went, uh, one Sunday, met the pastor, called call my dad. I'm like, yo dad, not going to this church anymore. It's like, it's way too far. Like I'll find another one closer to me so i found c3 which is actually the church that flows goes to we actually ran into each other today and that's why i told him the story <laughs> um and then one day I get a te- text from my dad he's like david send me your address urgently like, <laughs> like, that's the worst one when you just get that text you're just like bro what did i do like what happened i'm like is my dad pulling up from ottawa to my place right now <laughs> send him my address and then he just like went on google and like I guess he searched like redeem parishes closest to this address and he calls me. He's like, yo, I found this redeemed church. You said there was no one close to you. Like I found a church that's like four kilometers from your house. I'm like, yo, I already looked into it. It takes 50 minutes on TTCs to get there. He's like 50 minutes. Isn't that long? I was like, that's two hours every Sunday to get to church and back. He's like, what about Uber? I'm like, it's like 30 bucks to go. Like I'm not paying $60, you know, every Sunday. He's like, what if someone from the church can like drive you from like your neighborhood? I'm like, that's just like a lot of work for me to go and find someone who like lives like in the same neighborhood as me. 
Then this guy goes silent. He's like, David, four kilometers. You can walk to church. I'm like, I'm like, I was like, like dad, this, is, this is Canada. Bro, dad, you literally just ran out of all good solutions and you said you can walk. I'm like, it's all highway. Like it's four kilometers of highway. It's like a two hour walk. Is it a highway? All highway. It's like a two hour walk. I was like, dad, I am not walking eight kilometers on a Sunday. What happens in the winter? Like, bro. I love how he's just like, silence, just like, David. Bro, just walk this thing. Yo, my guy is like fully like thinking he's still in the 60s, like walking to school in Nigeria. I was like, yo, I'm not, there's a church, 15 minute commute. I can commute to this church in 15 minutes and you want me to walk four kilometers to a different church. But that's just Nigerian parents, man. Like, why why was it so important to go to that that just one church? They know redeem, like they've always been in redeem. Oh, I so see. They just like know that, which I understand because okay. we don't want you to just go to any church. Okay, um, but I was just like, yo, I've done research into this other church, um, and like, it just wasn't feasible. Like, I, I understand if it was like, yo, this church was the closest to me, and I understand that they could probably like call up the pastor and be like, this is our son, but <laughs> but four kilometer walk. <laughs> I was like, this guy's tripping. <laughs> they got walking four kilometers. Like, dad, I'm like, I just like, yeah, I'll, I'll look into it. Yeah, I'll, I'll do my research. <laughs> I'll let you know. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. I'll get back to you. Yeah, but yeah, man, Nigerian parents are just something else. Love my parents though. Like, love them to death. But sometimes they just say why some wild stuff. Bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> Oh, sorry. Do you have anything else for us? Nah, man. I'm good. I'm good. Okay. Well, David, man, thank you Yo, so much. Yo, this was sick. Through. This was pretty amazing. Man. Yeah, man. Like great we, conversation. Yeah, we had all the angles that we felt like we could, so we yeah. appreciate you. Um, plan a trip tonight Facts. so that we can have a part two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If if not for the cultural like yeah. experience, just, just so that we can do another two takes in the pod. Yeah, for sure, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, forget your feelings. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we need content. So. Yeah. All that stuff you're struggling with, who cares? <laughs> we just need to do this podcast. All your baggage, leave that at home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Bring, the <laughs> yeah bring the fun stuff. Oh man, but thank you. Yeah, thanks for yeah, having man. me. Man. Thanks for taking the time. Dope. Um, all right, that's your show, guys. Thanks so much for, for tuning in. Again, if you like what you've heard, please follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Two Takes and a Pod. That's T W O Takes and a Pod. Uh, you can also email us at that address at gmail.com, uh, where magazine is yawamag.com as well. You can check that out for some fun articles on music, culture, and the community. Yep, and our music is by Boye. You can find him on Facebook at 1705 Music. Um, you heard the jingle, it slaps. <laughs> Make sure to subscribe. <laughs> I love it. Make sure you subscribe and um, so you don't miss the next episode. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts. And you know, that's Apple, that's Spotify, that's Anchor, that's YouTube. You know, we're stepping up, we're leveling it up. We're leveling up. This has been Two Takes and a Pod. Thank you for listening. Peace.